We're going to afford you the opportunity to walk in the shoes of a migrant, to experience on a very small scale some of the dangers and difficulties that they face. We're going to let you feel the currents of the Rio Grande trying to pull somebody. Everything out here either cuts you, scratches you, scrapes you in some kind of way. So every time you go into the brush or any time you get something like that, you're fighting the elements. You're also fighting uh, who you're trying to help. It's only training, but to me, it's like you have to think it's a real person and pull quick as, I don't know, I don't get it. Not with the heat and not if it's someone dying. If I see a family unit with children that they're carrying, that's priority one. We're gonna go try to find them, rescue because this is no place for a child that can be carried. Over 170 people have died in my sector alone, and remember there are nine sectors along the southwest border. So while the rescues are phenomenal, you can believe that each and every one of my men and women take it to heart when we don't successfully rescue somebody. I'm Jami Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas, for this edition of Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border. Some areas are very shallow, while others are deep with an undertow. Many lives have been lost here. Outwitting the river to save those lives are Border Patrol agents. This past week, we were invited to train with them in Eagle Pass, Texas. And not only did we get to see what they do every day, saving people in the brush, in the rivers, and even when they're left behind by coyotes, we also learned about some of the things that they do that may not necessarily be part of their border mission, like the call they got on May 24th to help save lives in Uvalde, Texas. The only ones that benefit from a lack of border security are the criminals and the smugglers. We need the migrants that would make this trip to hear this message and to think twice to not make this trip. And so our purpose behind having this event today is twofold. Number one, we're going to afford you the opportunity to walk in the shoes of a migrant, to experience on a very small scale some of the dangers and difficulties that they face. We're gonna let you feel the currents of the Rio Grande trying to pull somebody to the shore. We're gonna let you experience what it's like walking through the brush and extreme heat and humidity to see how easy it is to be lost in unfamiliar territory. We're going to let you experience what it's like to be in the back of a tractor trailer that can be in excess of 160 degrees and to consider what it must be like to not know how long you will be in those conditions with no means of escape. We're also going to show you what the men and women that put on these uniforms, both green, blue, and tan, with Customs and Border Protection, what we see and go through every single day. I want you to see them through my eyes. I want you to see the selfless sacrifice, the rescues, the kind-hearted and caring that comes with being a first responder and a public servant. And I want you to understand that our mission is to keep you safe 
And as long as an influx like this is allowed to persist, we are not able to do that in the way that we should. So thank you again for taking time to be here, and hopefully we've impressed upon you the importance of these types of events. It is misleading, making it easy for migrants to get in trouble crossing the Rio Grande. And saving lives as Border Patrol agents do every day is easier said than done, as I experienced firsthand in Eagle Pass. Uh, just quick little talking points with throw bags. It's a very simple and basic technique. However, it is a technique that is taken for granted. Uh, in order for uh, these rescues to actually be effective, we need three things. Uh, you need good judgment, so the agent or anyone who's throwing this needs good judgment. You need good precision and your timing. Let's see how this goes. It looks really easy, but apparently it weighs about 90 pounds. I mean, of course, it's a dummy. But still, you know, I can't even imagine just knowing that you're going to save somebody. And if you don't throw that thing over, you got to do it again. Like that one, do it again until you can get them. And then you got to drag them in. So 90 pounds, what, maybe a, what, a freshman? So maybe a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, or a small, very small woman. Yeah, I'm ready. For you, man, we're just gonna have you pull it in. Pull it in, okay, all right. That's that's okay. Okay, so when you pull it in, what are we doing? Pretty much all we're gonna do right now is just go hand over hand. Hand over hand, and that's it? Hand over hand. Pull them in, you'll feel the wall. Holy moly. It's like the gym, worse than the gym. And it's 90 pounds? Wow, that's not easy. And if someone's drowning, holy moly. The closer you get them, the harder. The harder. Oh, okay. Thank you. Wow, that was hard. Okay. That was hard. All right. And then you have to go through this mess. Oh, okay. That wasn't easy. Woo! I'm like, I'm at the gym. <sighs> okay. So, it's only training, but to me, it's like you have to think it's a real person and pull quick. As, I don't know. I don't get it. Not with the heat and not if it's someone dying. How important are those little buoys that we saw that were being thrown out for every single person in your sector to have? So probably the, the starkest reminder that we've had here recently is the passing of Specialist Evans, uh, a National Guard hero that, that put himself into harm's way to rescue a migrant and unfortunately lost his life. By providing those tools to the men and women that are on patrol, we help them stay a little bit safer as they put themselves into harm's way to try and rescue people in need. Throw bags like that that you saw that you saw uh, uh, as an example today are just one example of the type of equipment that we need every law enforcement and first responder out there to have.
Once they make it out of the river, many have to find their way through the brush or through the carrizo, which is bamboo. This is where Borstar, which is Border Patrol's search and rescue, comes in to help. How do you find people in here when they're lost in the carrizo? Okay, so that depends on the situation because whether it's a 911 call uh -huh. or it's a group that we actually had a visual on mm -hmm. and we saw across and all right, so we're waiting for them to come out of the cane to interdict if it's a smuggling venture or if it's just people that are coming in. Because if you come in here, you're going to cause chaos. People running all over the place and probably getting lost and even getting hurt. So not so much in this area, but if you go a little bit further south, there's areas where there's significant size holes, there's pits, water pits, there's, there's quite a few more hazards if you head a little bit further south. Okay. What's the worst that you've seen in here? What's the worst case that you've had in the in cane? The, in the cane, in the cane uh, we once found a dehydrated female. She could no longer speak. She, she was already having a medical emergency. We went and we were, we were actually searching for her and we were able to locate her and we brought her out be a litter carry the child just did today and uh, we treated her right on the outside and it was, that was a true medical emergency you're an EMT yes I am let me ask you because often people say well they decided to come leave them there to die as an EMT what is your duty in the end we can look at it uh, a million different ways right and it's all up to that person who's deciding how they're gonna feel about it for me, that's a human being. I, I don't care if he or she entered illegally, that is a human being. During our interview, I see something moving behind Agent Esquivel. It is two people who say they did not cross to stay in the United States. Somebody that just crossed, yep, there they go. Hola. Yeah. Hola. Vengase para acá, por aquí está la salida. Entendido, pasa. Sí, entendido, pasa, se van a perder, él es de la patrulla fronteriza. Véngase para acá. How often does that happen? Because there's clothes everywhere here. Oh yeah, they'll come over here and they'll pick up all the clothing. Believe it or not, some of these guys say they find money inside those backpacks because what we just spoke of earlier, they'll come in and I don't know if you noticed, my reaction was to say nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give away where you're at. Really, it just yeah. you, you're yeah. just assessing the me, situation. Yeah, yes. compared to me. Yes. You need to assess the situation before What's you, you get too wrapped up into it yeah. and, and, and don't understand what you're dealing with. So okay. that's why I moved over to, to actually so get a visual on, see what we had. So. Okay. All but right. yeah, that, that happens pretty often. Um, they'll come across, they'll pick up clothing and then take it back to Mexico and then they'll sell it to migrants that are actually coming. Once out here, those who are not caught often end up in the back of an 18-wheeler in the extreme Texas heat. This is no place to end up with no way out. Now, I'm in here and I'm sweaty. Tell me, please, how hot it is in here. So approximately right now, we've been here uh, less than five minutes. And uh, right now it's reading, if you look at the roof right now, and I've got my temperature gun, it's approximately 126 degrees Fahrenheit. Keep in mind, 
It's approximately 11.35 this morning, so we haven't even gotten through the hottest part of the day, 3, 4, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Yesterday, I was in the same truck, standing right there at approximately 4 o'clock, and the temperature in here was 140 degrees. I believe it. I, within 30 minutes, or 30 seconds, excuse me, I, could, I, I was having a hard time breathing. One person, can you imagine 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people in here trying to breathe the same air uh, under the extreme temperatures? It's, it's no good. All you have to imagine is in the recent incidents that we've had in the area, people in here for hours, the doors open right now, and I am sweating, not having difficulty breathing because the doors open, but it's extremely hot. The other thing I want to point out, when we were standing outside, I could hear everybody talking. So how does smugglers say that they didn't hear people screaming for help? going in there, when people were in there, I could hear their entire conversations. When you hear these smugglers try to say that they didn't hear anybody screaming, how does that make you feel, knowing what it's like in there and that it's so easy to hear what they're saying? Those smugglers are liars. They're the lowest form of people uh, on the planet. They do not care who lives or dies. They only care about making money at the expense of an innocent victim. They know that they're putting people in harm's way. They don't care. They go out of their way in many cases to do it. For everything that they do is about efficiency and making more money. If somebody dies, they will leave them on the side of the road, they will leave them in the desert, and they will go on about their business. When they say they don't know or they don't realize they're putting them in danger, they are lying. Saving lives here is part of their everyday job, but responding to any mass casualty incidents is part of being a member of the communities out here. On May 24th, Borstar heard the call for help from Uvalde as another Border Patrol specialty unit breached into a Rob Elementary classroom. To stop the killing, Esquivel and his agents were just arriving, ready to save lives. It's something you're used to seeing, uh, an adult and whatnot. And then you throw in, these are children. These are, my teammates' children could actually be here. Teammates' children, teammates' wives were actually there teaching. So once we go that, it's, it's horrific to see, to get there and see the carnage. After seeing what you saw in Ovalde, Yes. And you're used to some of it dealing with it here. Yes. But you saw children there. Yes. You have children. Yes, I do. How did you go home that night? It was rough. It, it, it was rough. You see all that. You see the families. You see the families that were wanting to, to rush in. And it, it's, it's a difficult situation. I mean, you. they want to know what happened to the children. I just... The easiest way I can say, put yourself in their shoes. You know, you're not, you're not stopping me. If, if that's the situation with me, you're not going to stop me. And um, it was, it was a bad situation. Their everyday dedication is making a difference and saving lives. Something not lost to the local law enforcement, like Chief Frank Ramirez of Del Rio, who drove 57 miles for the Border Patrol training about your area to see this you see it firsthand mm -hmm. how often do you see them jumping in to save people who are in the river people that your officers run across for border patrol this is something that's d done daily they're they're always out there 
going through these trails like they're going right through right here, uh, going into 18 wheelers into the back. This is something that if you just drive down the road, you'll see it. Uh, it's very hot work. It's very time consuming. It's very dangerous work. We, as law enforcement, we take care of the criminal element, but a lot of people don't have the appreciation for what they do. They protect keeping people coming in that will lead to the criminal element. So they're the first defense that we have. And we really appreciate it. And we appreciate the hard work that they do. Um, Chief Owens told me, I think it was about a week ago, they need at least 500 more bodies out here. Pretty much so. You know, from what we see, they're doing a great job of what they're working with. But like, like everybody, all law enforcement in general is taking a hit. And I know they're taking a big hit too of getting recruiting and getting bodies over here. Del Rio, you keep hearing Del Rio, not only here. I have German reporters that come in. I have one coming in next month. They want to go to Del Rio from Deutsche Welle. For everybody to know your town, and it's known as the epicenter, and this sector of Border Patrol is the epicenter of the immigration crisis. What goes through your head? I mean, this was pretty quiet. I went to school here. Mm -hmm. I would go party on the other side. You can't even do that anymore. No, not anymore. Preparation. This is something that we work on all the time. We, we try to monitor the activity. We work closely with Border Patrol so that if something comes up, we can, we can team up. We can do our part as far as in the city. They'll do their part on the outside of the city. They're not going to drop anybody off in there for the buses without letting us know so that we can expect it, so we can have security there ready to protect the, the citizens if need be. So that's, the cooperation is the best part of this. Without that cooperation, I, I don't want to say chaos, but it would, be a, it would be a big mess. And we do that with the sheriff department also, so that way when information is put out there, we all get it. And that's what's important, and that's what makes this successful for us. For people that don't understand what's behind you, the Carrizo, explain what it is, because the story's going to go all over the U.S. So what is the Carrizo? How difficult is it? How much harder is it for you guys to go in there and get someone? Well, it's just, as you can see, everything, everything out here either cuts you, scratches you, scrapes you in some kind of way. So every time you go into the brush or any time you get something like that, you're fighting the elements. You're also fighting uh, who you're trying to help. People panic. If somebody's in the water or somebody's uh, having an, an episode, a medical episode, they usually either they're completely limp or they're panicking and you have to get them under control. And this is something that they have to deal with all the time. Uh, us, not nearly as much as them. Like I said, this is something they really deal with, but it's not something that's easy. It's just, this is just one scenario they're giving you, but this can be anything. This could be off the side of a, a small ravine where they have to rappel down. This could be uh, something with animals in there or stuff, snakes, we don't know what's in there. This, they, they face all these things. Every time they turn over something, you don't know what's gonna be there. So this is what they deal with daily, on top of the heat and the weather in, in general. How would you best describe Border Patrol in your area? I think of it as the 911 for local law enforcement when it comes to immigration. Okay. Uh, as far as how would I best describe in? Border Patrol, just the work that they do and how they supplement. Is it a force multiplier for you guys or a smaller agency dealing with this huge crisis that's going on here? Absolutely. They're definitely a force multiplier. We can rely on them for anything. We've had a great relationship. When I first got here, I spoke to Border Patrol. They were welcoming. Uh, we shared information. We shared training. Then, speaking with Chief Owens, when he got here, 
the same thing. He was just as welcoming. Uh, we have a direct line of connection. We talk to each other on the phone when things are coming up and we make sure to communicate. That's that's the best part about that. And we, we just, we try to share our resources. We don't we don't separate it where this is the PD, this is Border Patrol, we do our thing, y'all do your thing. We do our thing together. And that's what makes it successful. Yeah. Pride in what they do and in saving lives, and of course, keeping the homeland safe is what keeps the men and women of the Border Patrol going every day. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with another edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. I'm Jamie Virgen for Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas.